Let's pray, and then we'll dig in. Father, thanks for the time. Amazing, amazing, amazing passage of Scripture this morning that you have given us the privilege of studying together. And now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would activate the Word of God in people's hearts and minds. Lord, don't let us be the same type of people at the end of this message that we are right now. God, do a great thing. Save those who are lost and bring. And we're back. Okay, so we lost you there. The second half of my prayer was super inspiring. And uh, I'm sorry you missed it. Uh, it probably would have changed your life had you heard it. Anyway, um, let, me, let me continue praying and then we'll, we'll dig into the word. Father, thank you for, again for the time. Lord, use this word in a great way. Um, and may you be glorified in, in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So we as humans, every human, you, me, everybody, we hunger. There's a hunger and thirst inside of our soul for a priest to be in our lives. I don't know if you knew that or not. You have a hunger in your soul. You have a thirst in your mind to have a priest in your life. And that might be a surprise to you, but there is something inside of us that is between us and God that we know is not getting along very well. We know that there's something in between the human world and the divine world. We know there's some sort of break. Um, sin separates us from God. And because of that, we need a priest. We need a go between. We need a representative before God. So you need, you need a go between. You need someone to like run interference for you with God and you know it deep inside your soul. And I'm spelling it out for you because the Bible is spelling it out for you and me this morning. We need a priest and uh, Job in the old Testament, he cried out for this in Job nine verse 33. He said, Oh, I wish there were a mediator between me and God. I wish there were a go between between the Lord and I, And uh, he was frustrated because there was no such mediator at that time. Uh, Priests are one who offers sacrifices to deity on behalf of a group of people. So that's basically what a priest is. It's somebody who's a human who is a go-between between humans and God. And, and uh, we are obsessed with priests. We are obsessed with them. Don't believe me. Okay. Can take this on for size. How about Mormons? If you're a Mormon, there's a special priesthood in the Mormon religion that is really, really kind of distant from the average person. There's a special priesthood and you have to have the laying on of hands to be a priest if you're a Mormon. And Buddhists have priests. Did you know that? They have priests called monks. And uh, many of you have seen a monk. We have a Buddhist temple down the street from our church building. And, and there's monks there. And those are the priests. Those are the go-betweens between the deities and mankind. Um, how about Hindus? They have priests. They have people that represent them. Um, in fact, just the other day, I met a guy who is a Hindu priest in our neighborhood. Actually, he was the son of a priest. And we sat, he invited me into his living room. We talked about religion. We talked about Jesus. And I said, well, do you practice your Hinduism here in the neighborhood? And he said, yeah, my, my father-in-law is actually a Hindu priest and he represents the group of us that are all Hindus. 
Um, what about pagan and secular priests? Maybe I haven't hit your religion yet, uh, but pagan and secular priests are all over the place. Um, if you're pagan, you don't believe in anything. You have priests, you have humans that you trust to, to really reinforce that you are good with God. If there is a God in the universe, you're going to have a priest who tells you so. Um, some of the human pagan priests that we, we go to a lot are, are leaders on television, uh, perhaps Oprah, perhaps Rob Bell, who's Oprah's spiritual priest person. Um, there's a lot of people on the, on the internet. There's a lot of ways to find people that you feel like represent you and your worldview makes you feel better about yourself, makes you feel a little bit more connected to God. Um, how about Moses in the Old Testament? Moses, his father-in-law was actually a priest, the priest of Midian. And his name was Jethro, not to be confused with the Des Moines barbecue restaurant. Um, Moses' father-in-law, his name was Jethro. He was a priest. And then most commonly in our culture is the Roman Catholic priest. Uh, give me a sofa amen if you've ever heard of a Roman Catholic priest, okay? Uh, the Roman Catholic priest in Midwestern United States is prevalent everywhere you look, and so there's a lot of Roman Catholic priests that that represent the people to God, and so you go to confessional if you're Catholic, or you go to the priest. You have last rites. You have all the different sacraments. They flow through the priesthood to God, and you think you're okay because your priest represents you to God. Um, in fact, um, this was this was written by the Wisconsin dia- Diocese of the Roman Catholic Church. It says. If we do not have the priest, we do not have our Lord. Think about that for a moment. The priesthood is so essential in the Roman Catholic theology that if you don't have a priest, you don't have Jesus. That's a big deal. And then there's the Levitical priesthood, which is the priesthood we're talking about in this passage. The Levitical priesthood was led by Aaron and it was a tribe of the nation of Israel that were dedicated in the Old Testament to being the representatives to God for the people of God, Israel. So our passage is going to deal with the priesthood this morning. Priests are supposed to make you and me feel like we're good with God. That's what a priest is all about. A priest is there to make you feel good that you're okay with God almighty. A priest is meant to help you feel safe from God. A priest is meant to make you feel safe from the wrath of God and the holiness of God and the punishment of God. And, 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 and you don't feel good until a priest tells you that you're okay. You're okay with the Lord. I would say just as a personal testimony, many people treat me as a pastor, like I'm a priest. A lot of people come up to me and say, pastor, I know so-and-so is praying for me, but can you really pray for me? As if my prayers are going to be better for something, you know, like I'm a little more connected to God. And so pastors, even in the evangelical world, we get treated at times like we're priests, like we're the representative. As long as I'm good with Josh, I'm good with God. And um, here's, here's what our passage is going to say. Our passage this morning is going to tell us that Jesus breaks out into a whole new priesthood. He breaks out this morning into a whole new priesthood and he literally, listen to me, he literally destroys all 
prophet and priesthood systems that don't equate, equate with himself. Jesus is going to break all your dreams today. Jesus is going to break all your preconceived notions of priesthood. And he's going to say, I am going beyond and above the Levitical priesthood. And I'm going to beyond any modern day priesthood system that exists. And I am going to destroy all other priesthoods because I'm going to establish my priesthood. If you want to connect with God, you have to connect with a new priest. It's a big deal. Jesus is the greatest priest of all time. And if you're a Christian and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the priest on your side. And that's the best news in the world. So here we're going to look at this priest. We're going to look at Jesus and we're going to see some qualities of his priesthood. Okay. So the first one is that Jesus as a priest is detached from Levi. And you can see this in verse 11 through 16. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, what further need would we have for another priest to arise out of the order of Melchizedek? And so the, the, the author of Hebrews is going to take verse 11 through 16, and he's going to unpack this reality that Jesus is detached from the Levitical priesthood. You can see it in verse 15. This becomes even more evident When another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. So the Levites, like I said earlier, they were the representatives for the nation of Israel. You can read about them in Exodus chapter 38 through 40. You can look at all of the blood sacrifices that they had to give in Numbers 28. So the Levites, they were a special people. They were set aside amongst all the tribes to wear special clothes, to be the representatives to God. They ran the tabernacle of God, which was where the God's presence dwelt. And they were the ones who were responsible for all the blood sacrifices. So they would give blood sacrifices on behalf of the people's sins to cover sins. Listen to some of the offerings that they were responsible for. They were responsible for the Sabbath offering, okay, the weekly offering, the monthly offering, Passover, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Booze, and the Day of Atonement, to name a few. So there was a lot of killing going on in Old Testament Israel. And if you were a priest, you had to be pretty good with a knife because you were killing animals of all different sizes and all different types. And you were constantly running into this place of sacrifice, of burnt sacrifice. If you lived in Israel growing up, you would look over to the tabernacle and there would be smoke billowing from the tabernacle all the time because sacrifices were constantly being made. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. If you were a family, if you were rich, you brought a big bull or a calf or something to the priest and you would give that on behalf of your family. If you were really poor, you would bring pigeons or birds of some kind, uh, which also gives us some insight into Mary and Joseph and how much money they had when they had Jesus because all they could offer was pigeons uh, when they gave their temple sacrifices. So you would see these Levites, they were like, 
very dedicated people. And it was a family affair. Like they all came from Aaron. So therefore, if you were from the family of Aaron and you were a son or a grandson or a nephew or a niece, you were in and you were, you were literally part of that priesthood. And so it was handed off by mankind. Now the problem with Jesus is that he flies into Hebrews 7 and he's not attached to the Levitical priesthood. He is detached from this Levitical priesthood. He came from the tribe of Judah. Do you see that in verse 14? It is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. So Jesus is detached from the Levitical priesthood. He's from the wrong place. He's not from Levi. He's from Judah. And there's no record of a priest coming from Judah. So Jesus is like Melchizedek in as much as he is unique and he is superior. His priesthood is above and beyond the Levitical priesthood. Pretty cool. Okay. The second quality of Jesus is not only that he was detached from Levi, but he was endorsed by God. Jesus was endorsed by God himself. And you can see this in verse 17 through 21 as Psalm 110 is quoted multiple times. First of all, in verse 17, for it is witnessed of him. And here comes Psalm 110. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now skip down to verse 21. It says, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. So Jesus is not only detached from Levi, he is also endorsed by God. God is endorsing Jesus as a, the greater high priest. And this is a big deal. Psalm 110, if you're making notes in your Bible at home, Psalm 110 is the most important psalm when you're talking about priesthood. It's the most important psalm to understand. David wrote it and King David, as he was writing Psalm 110, the Holy Spirit inspired him to look ahead and to say, there's going to be a priest someday who's going to go above and beyond the Levitical priesthood. That's amazing. That is amazing that David could see that hundreds of years before Christ came. But he said, look, the Levitical priesthood, no knock on the Levitical priesthood, but he says there's a special priest coming. A priest who is endorsed by God. A priest who has got the endorsement of God. So we need to hear this today. Here's why we need to hear it. In the day of political and social endorsements that are happening all the time, who's endorsing who? This candidate is getting endorsements from this person and this person, and this candidate's getting endorsements from this person and this person. And we are, as a people, using social media to endorse our views on all things. And when we write down on our Twitter, our Instagram, or our Facebook pages, all the stuff we think about, what are we doing? We're endorsing what we believe. We're endorsing it. We're saying, this is what I approve of. It gets kind of dizzying, doesn't it? Like, I don't know if you felt dizzy. Like when you look at news feeds, it's, 
it's, it's crazy how my brain starts to hurt after a while, after I see all these divergent endorsements of all these different ideas all the way across the board. And I'm just saying in a day where everything's cloudy with a chance of meatballs regarding endorsements, we need God to endorse somebody. Can I get a sofa? Amen. We need God to endorse somebody. We need God to tell us as humans, this is who I endorse. I want this guy. And that's what he's doing. God is endorsing Jesus as the high priest above the Levitical priesthood. So when you stand before God, which all of you will stand before God, as will I. When we stand before God... We need a priest who is endorsed by God. We need in the presence of holiness and righteousness, in the presence of God's glory, we don't need a politician. We don't need a social media like or a love. We need God to endorse the person who is going to safeguard our passage into heaven. Jesus is that endorsed high priest. He will protect us from God and God's wrath and God's justice. And he will plead on our behalf. Jesus is the endorsed high priest of God. Thirdly, not only is he detached from Levi and not only is he endorsed by God, but he is mighty to save. And this is in verse 22 through 25. And verse 25 might be the most important verse in this passage. And it might be the most important verse you have ever heard in your life. Okay. The high priest of heaven, Jesus in verse 23 to 25 is a guarantor of a better covenant. And then in verse 25, it says he, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is able to save people to the uttermost. What is that? (laughs) What a weird word, uttermost. We don't use uttermost anymore. I don't use that word in my normal vocabulary. Jesus is able to save me to the uttermost. It means completely to the fullest measure. If you fill up a cup full of diet Mountain Dew, amen. Okay. You're filling it up to the full brim. Jesus is able to save people to the fullest brim of possibility. He is able to save people completely and fully and forever. That's what that verse means. As the high priest, he will save you and he will keep you saved. Now, this is important. Why? Because some of you are struggling with security this morning. Can I get a sofa? Amen. If you're struggling with security in your soul, here's the stats. The stats are that 80% of people who profess Jesus struggle with the assurance of their salvation. 80%. Yo, 80% of people who say Jesus is my Lord and Savior struggle to be sure of that. Is that you this morning? It might be. Here's what I want this verse to, to speak out and yell at us this morning. If you're struggling with assurance of salvation, 
This verse is for you. Why? Because you should feel secure in your salvation because Jesus forever saves. He saves to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Okay. So everybody gets that part, but it's the second part of the verse that really slams the ball through the hoop. Here's what it says. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. What does that mean? It means this. It means that if you come to Jesus and you put your faith in Jesus and you surrender your heart and soul to Jesus, here's what Jesus does. He always lives to pray for you. If you put your faith in Jesus, he will pray for you. How long will he pray for you? Forever. This is the greatest news in the world. If you put your faith in Christ, it's not just a one-time transaction. Jesus promises to pray for you now. And he promises to pray for you tomorrow. And he promises to pray for you next week. And he promises to pray for you in a month when you lose your loved one to cancer. He promises to pray for you and to keep you and to keep you believing and keep you loving and keep you hoping in him. This is the greatest news of all time because Jesus saves you past, present, and future. Right now, this morning, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's praying for you. How do I know you'll make it? Because Christ is praying for you. And he won't stop his intercession for you for one moment. He will not lose you if he has saved you. He, he will not let you go. And so I can be assured of my salvation because I know that as I come and draw near to Christ, he will save me and he will pray for me till the day that I die. And when I die, I get to go be with him in heaven and then I'll see him face to face. You see your salvation and persevering in your salvation is not all about you. It's all about him. Can I get an amen? Your salvation is all about Jesus carrying you and praying for you and lifting you up and carrying you to the finish line. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. Luke 22, 31 and 32, Jesus looks at Peter and he says this to Peter, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, go and strengthen your brother. What, what is Jesus' promise to Peter? Satan's going to sift you. Satan's going to cause you to deny me three times. He's going to sift you like wheat. He's asked for permission and I've granted it, but I have prayed for you, Peter. I have been faithfully praying for you, Peter. And when you're restored, go strengthen your brothers. And isn't that the story of Jesus 
church this morning, I want you to understand that Jesus is mighty to save. Don't ever doubt it. Don't ever let a moment of doubt creep into your heart and soul. He is mighty to save you. The high priest of heaven is praying for you now, and he will carry you through this life into heaven by the power of his prayers. Not only is Jesus detached from Levi and endorsed by God, And mighty to save, but he has no weaknesses whatsoever. Verses 26 through 28. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. For he has no need like high priests to offer sacrifice daily for his own sins. And then for the people, since he did it once for all. And then he offered up himself for the law appoints men in their weaknesses as high priests. But the word of the oath came later and appoints a son who's been made perfect forever. Jesus is not weak like the Levite priest. Do you see the, the weakness of the Levite priests? In verse 27, they have to offer sacrifices every day for their own sins and for the sins of others. Now that makes sense. If you're a human priest, you, you're weak. You got to get yourself right first before you can get everybody in Israel right. You've got to to understand your own weaknesses and you age and you get older. And just like every other human, you have limitations to your priesthood. Jesus is not like the Levitical priests. He is greater and better. He has no weaknesses. Jesus's character is better than the Levites. His attitude is better than the Levites. I mean, how many Levites serve the sacrifices with a bad attitude? Can I get a sofa? Amen. That had to happen. You know, you're putting an animal down on a sacrifice. You don't really want to be there. You're putting in your time. You're doing the right thing for God. You're cutting another animal. You're burning the sacrifice to the Lord. You're doing your prayers. You're doing your thing. And you just got a stinky attitude. Probably happened a lot. But Jesus, his attitude is better. His holiness is better. His spirituality is better. Everything about Jesus is better than any human priesthood since Levi Onto the present age. Jesus had an indestructible life. Verse 16. He was resurrected from the dead. He's not weak like human priests saddled with cancer and sin and broken and not and lacking in, in energy. Jesus always is energetic all the time. There's never a moment. You may think I'm energetic. I took a two and a half hour nap yesterday afternoon. I'm human like everybody else. I need a rest. Jesus never needs a rest. Never. He was appointed by God to serve forever as a priest. You can see that in verse 28. Forever he has been appointed. And Jesus will welcome you home when you enter into the presence of God. For Mother's Day, I want to say a few words. To kids, little children, mom is like the closest illustration of Jesus, the high priest on the face of this earth. If you want a really good picture of Jesus, the high priest, look at a mom. Mom welcomes us home when we're scared. Can I get a sofa? Amen. Can I get an amen? I can still remembering, I can still remember the comforting smells of my grandma's house. Anybody else with me here? 
I can still remember going to northern Wisconsin to visit my grandma and the smells that would come out of her house combined with the evergreen trees that are outside. It just brings me to a really safe and comforting place. Because it was there that I felt security. It was there that I felt at home in grandma's house. And certainly that's true of my mom as well. When I think about my mom's greeting and no matter what's going on in my life, my mom has always greeted me with enthusiasm and joy and a smile and a hug. And I love her for it because there were times when I came home when I was sinning a lot. I didn't want to see dad. And I want to hang out with dad. But mom was there. And I knew mom would hug me and love me and take care of me. You can say I'm a mama's boy, I guess. You could probably say that. But it's such a picture of the high priest, Jesus. And how about a mom who went by the name of Moses? You're like, Moses in the Old Testament? No, 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 no. Harriet Tubman. The famous African-American who was an adoptive mom herself. She adopted children. She was the voice of comfort and safety to more than 70 slaves traveling from the South to the North for their freedom using the Underground Railroad in 1859. Harriet Tubman, who is one of the heroes of our nation She was a picture, such a beautiful picture of a voice of hope, a voice that carried people safely home to their freedom. I want you to think about these illustrations and then I want you to think about the greater truth that Jesus Christ is in heaven as our high priest and he's ready to welcome us home. This is crazy. Because as we look at going to heaven, dying and and going into the presence of God, everything within us, everything within me wants to be afraid of that moment. Everything within me wants to be afraid and he will take our hand. And he will say to us what he said to his disciples so many times, do not be afraid. And Jesus will present our souls to the father. Unapproachable holiness, unapproachable light. You would be punished into smithereens without Jesus taking your hand. And he will take us into the father's presence. And I'm just thinking of myself here and then I'm going to apply it to you. He's going to take me by the hand. My high priest is going to take my hand and I'm going to see his face and we're going to walk into glory together. And he's going to say to the father, I now present to you, Josh Daggett. And I'm going to walk into the presence of holiness and perfection. Unashamed unafraid, full of gratitude. Now put your name in there. 
All of you, put your name in there. You die. You go into the the presence of heaven. And your high priest takes your hand. And he looks at you in the face. And you know him. You put your faith in him, your trust in him, your hope in him. In this life, you have been saved. And he takes your hand and he looks inside your eyes and he says, let's go. And you go into the presence of almighty God. And Jesus says, now I present to you, father, put your name in there. Imagine that moment. That's your moment. Jesus is our high priest who has no weaknesses. He is our high priest who saves us to the uttermost. He is our high priest who is endorsed by God. And he is our high priest who is detached from Levi. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. You are a great high priest. Above all other priests, above all other systems of priesthood, Jesus, you are our hope. We will stand in the presence of almighty God and you, Jesus, will take our hands and you will welcome us home. Jesus, you will represent us. You who knew no weaknesses, you will represent us before the Father. We believe it. We receive it this morning. We embrace it this morning. We're in awe of the truth of the gospel this morning. We can't believe that you would look down on sinners like us and that you would accept us and bring us home. Jesus, you pray for us. You're praying for us now. We have been saved. We are being saved now. We will be saved at the end of all days. Jesus, would you encourage every Christian in the audience? Would you encourage them with this hope? Would you encourage all of our moms with this hope? Would you encourage them with the love and the care of Jesus Christ? And Lord, no doubt there's a few in this audience who are still fighting you, still walking in pride, still content with religion, still content with outward shows of spirituality, but Lord, there's no reality inside. And Lord, I pray for those people right now who are just ready. They're ready to just surrender it all to Jesus Christ and be saved. I pray that you would empower them to do that in this moment right now. Empower them to trust, not in some pagan high priest or some system of this world, but Lord, may they trust in the one divine high priest from heaven. May they do that now. Jesus, we are here to enjoy you, to love you, to exalt your name. Lord, make your name great. Make your name great in everybody's heart and everybody's life. May your name get the victory. May your name, Jesus, become famous in South Des Moines and Carlisle and Norwalk and Indianola and everywhere this broadcast is going. May the name of Jesus be famous. And may we all just step in the background 
and enjoy the salvation that we have through Christ. Jesus, we pray all this in your mighty and good name. Amen.